0: Since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. <laughs> cancer? Yes, in the head. Huh? I was tired as hell, but I'm not going to break this anymore! Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain! Did you tell me you grew up a time machine? What a
1: This
0: is the Stupid Show. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mundus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hello
0: there, children. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People
2: <laughs> seem to like me because I am polite
1: and I'm rarely late. And now the host of the stupid cancer show, Annie Goodman
2: and Matthew Sachs.
0: Woohoo! Nothing is anything wrong with us. Because he has a lot of chips
2: spots. Alright. Monday, April 21st. And welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, The Voice. What? Oh, the Young Adult Cancer, I'm your co-host Matthew Zachary, a proud 18-year Young Adult Survivor of Brain Cancer. My fabulous co-host Annie Goodman is off tonight. We wish you the best. Uh, We are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. All right, folks, it's not okay that 72,000 young adults get diagnosed with cancer each year, so got cancer, under 40, sucks, huh? Time to get visited, with folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world, one chemo infusion at a time.
0: I'm Maureen Sweet, Manager of Programs and Operations here at Stupid Cancer, welcoming all of our first-time and returning listeners on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, iHeartRadio Talk, or listening to the archives at the stupidcancershow.org. I will be live shooting throughout the broadcast at ChemoDeck. So send me your questions and feedback at any time with the hashtag SC Radio.
2: All right. Tonight's show is our final taping before this week's seventh annual OMG Cancer Summit. And we've got a doozy of a show for you. I sat down with the CEO of Hyundai, uh, Dave Zukowski, uh, this week, early this week, to talk about their Hope on Wheels program. The Auto Show and what they're doing to help long-term pediatric cancer survivors get busy living, and then we have an epic leadership panel tonight with Ali Ward, our VP Programs, Karen Demero, who is the director of patient access for Leukemia Lymphoma Society National, Doctor Sage Balty from uh, Life with Cancer, and OMG Derek Committee member and veteran young adult cancer survivor, a volunteer activist, uh, chieftain of all things good in New York City, mm-hmm. Louis Weiss. And with that, our self-ingratiating applause and good evening. Hello, hello,
0: hello,
2: hello. hello. How are OMG
0: you? week O-M-G. is upon us.
2: It is, it is upon us. It Apparently, is upon us. Yes. Yes. So
0: we got a, we got a couple of days off yet in this week, you know, we're not going to be in the office, right?
2: Yeah. Be a little hanging vacay. Out, hanging out in Vegas. A little vacay. Yeah. yeah exactly. Doing some things. How was your Easter?
0: My Easter was excellent. I, uh, I have some, I, I live, for those of you who don't know, in the same building as my first cousin, who's also my godfather. Um, and his family is all based in the Philly area, and they came up. So I had grilled steak and potatoes and salad and cake with uh, some relatives. Uh, so a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 4-year-old were all there. So it was good to hang out with some kids for the day.
2: Excellent.
0: I just said grilled steak.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: I should be listening. I (laughs) I would like to reiterate that I had grilled steak, actually. (laughs) really what that was about. Um, So, yeah, it was a a really great day. Uh, We ate out in the backyard. It was a little cool, about 55 degrees, and I still got fierce sunburn. So thank you, sun, and apologies, skin cancer activists, because (laughs) I didn't even think about putting on sunscreen. So don't beat me this year. Everybody put sunscreen on.
2: Yes, well said.
0: How was your weekend? How was your non-Easter? How was your
2: still Passover? <laughs> My still Passover. Yes. No, it was good. It was, uh, I, I basically spent the entire weekend here
0: yeah. at the office
2: working and putting on some of these finishing touches for mm-hmm. uh, this coming conference, which is apparently happening in like two days. Oh, gosh. Which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that is, that is what's going on. I, I pulled a marathon 34 hours straight, but I did eat. I did sleep, and I did rest, and I did go outside.
0: So you didn't really, I it mean, was... you were here for 34 hours. Right, but it. I
2: wasn't actually physically in the office, like, right. like constantly stressed, right. nonstop. Right, yes. right. All right, good thing we don't install a shower, else so that would have been 72. <laughs> yeah, Kenny and I always joke that um, uh, if we ever do put showers in the office, we'd never leave. Yeah, no. That's a stopgap measure.
0: Yeah, Yeah. problem. hmm so, yeah, what else is going on? Let me look at the list of things we're talking about. Well, the road trip. Want do to recap the
2: road trip, everybody?
0: It's done. The road trip, road tripped. Uh, I think last week they were in Salt Lake City, uh, and they continued on, went to the San Francisco Bay Area. I don't know where, if they met in San Jose, somewhere in there. I don't speak NorCal.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> when they drove down, uh, had another meetup in the L.A. area. I also don't speak SoCal. I think they were in Irvine. Uh, went over to Phoenix, Tempe area. I don't speak anything that's not on the East Coast. <laughs> apologize. And went, wound up in Vegas. Um, they are episodes of the Stupid Cancer Road Trip web series. We're up to episode five. They're all really good. They're available on Vimeo or just check out our Facebook or Twitter pages. Um, so, yeah, really, really pumped that they made it 5,000 some miles across the U.S.
2: Very impressive. Kudos yeah. to them. Seriously, like, that's the hall. Yeah. And they did it with, with, with a plum this year, if I may use it. A video. plum,
0: yes. yes you know, it
2: wasn't really much of a slapdash. It was really well-organized, well-structured. Lots of videos going up. Mm-hmm. We just posted a, um, a, a gallery on our Facebook wall called uh, Young Adults Get Cancer 2.
0: Yes, With all of the social
2: media roundups.
0: Yes, we were able to highlight a cancer patient, survivor, or caregiver in every us city that they stopped in so that was that was pretty cool so definitely check that out
2: yes um and i will rehash what i talked about on social earlier with, earlier last week which is that we are involved with abc disney's new series coming out in june called chasing life
0: yes which very exciting
2: apparently loosely based on suleika jawad's story as she was their okay. chief consultant and there are a lot of stupid cancer elements in the actual show. Yes, we got to see a bit of a clip today. It was very yes, cool. Yes, and I'll be showing a clip uh, of the main character at one of our happy hours in reality, where where uh, art imitates life and life imitates art a little bit. Sure, sure. Certainly very exciting that there is actual stupid cancer signage as props on a real TV show mm-hmm. that's airing a full series, a full season. Yeah. Very, very exciting. They have Actually.
0: some cool poster ideas they're going yes. to pick up on.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, very exciting stuff. We're going to be working with them, have them on the radio show, maybe they'll come and speak at some of our events. We'll do local screenings and
0: yeah, that
2: sounds weekend. fun. Pajama parties,
0: That's watching AD2. Pajama
2: parties.
0: <laughs> I'm not that Midwest. That was
2: my Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> my Midwest. <laughs> show. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yes, yes, yeah, a very exciting stuff. Uh, Instapier has got some stuff going
2: on. Yeah, Instapier. Our coming app.
0: Exactly. I'm very excited about
2: it. <clears throat> Instapier is in fact relaunching a second crowdfunding campaign. On the Indiegogo platform, which is the other Kickstarter, but they hate when I say that, but people know Kickstarter, like Kleenex now means tissues, right? So it's their, uh, the other Kickstarter, but they're doing really, really well. And go to instapeer.org starting Friday morning, and you'll see it, and it's great. There's a whole new video. There's a bunch of new stuff. We have a scientific advisory committee for it now. Mm. Um, it looks like we'll be piloting it at a major cancer center in the southeast. Cool. Which is very nice, and there's a whole bunch of people that just needed to work, and, and it needs to happen. So really exciting stuff.
0: Yes, very exciting stuff. And reminder, if we haven't talked about it yet, we're going to Vegas.
2: When, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. I'm, I'm
0: going tomorrow. You're going Wednesday. I think we're probably at equal states in packing. Yes. Uh, so that's nowhere. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we've got, we've got a lot of great stuff, a lot of good sessions, over 430, 440 people signed up right now, so we're really looking forward to seeing everybody there, a lot of newcomers, a lot of old faces. Um, we've got some cool announcements that we're going to be making at OMG that you'll only be able to hear in Las Vegas first and then on the Internet
2: later. And, so we, have a, <laughs> and we have to thank some people tonight.
0: We do have to thank some people. The sponsors of this episode of the Stupid Cancer Show are as follows. Uh, We are thankful to Lily, Spencer, and Amgen for bringing us this episode. So thank you to all of them for sponsoring the radio show and Stupid Cancer's efforts.
2: Yes, and I also want to put a shout out for our, we're debuting something at the conference uh, this year, first time ever, where we have clinic partners. Mm-hmm. And those are hospitals that have young adult cancer programs and are proud of it and want to share with our amazing attendees and community of other exhibitors that they're there and they're proud to be doing this. So special shout-outs to uh, Henry Ford Health Center, the Hyundai Cancer Institute of Chalk Children's, Memorial Sloan Kettering, the uh, Society for AOA Oncology, UC Irvine Health, and the University of California, San Diego. Just the first, the tip of an iceberg of what we hope will be dozens of cancer centers exhibiting and supporting uh, the conference in perpetuity, promoting the fact that they have young adult programs.
1: Yes. Very exciting.
2: And also our non- nonprofit partners. For the first time this year, we are debuting disease-specific workshops in partnership with specific nonprofits. Very mm-hmm. exciting stuff. Uh, Voices Against Brain Cancer, the Colon Cancer Alliance, and the Leukemia of Society.
0: Yes. So if you are signed up for OMG and you are affected in some way by brain cancer, colon cancer, or any blood cancer, uh, we highly encourage that you attend those sessions. They are taking place on Thursday afternoon prior to the official kickoff of the summit. Uh, and you can always email, of course, questions at ombsummit.org
2: if you have any questions or
0: concerns about that.
2: Excellent. Excellent. Well, I have actually found the file I need to, which is the interview oh, <laughs> that we're hi. going to play. Excellent. So hang on one second while I download this file. But I will introduce, We uh, again, I, I sat down for an exclusive interview with um, Dave Zukowski. He is the CEO of Hyundai Motor America, and um, he's responsible for strategic direction and management of the automotive industry. He joined Hyundai Motor in February 2007, and he began his career in the auto industry in 1984. This man is an auto industry veteran, and he's really, really cool. He was in town for the auto show, the debut a new Sonata. I'm not even to say that. I just think it's a cool car. <laughs> My mom drives one But they have a great program called Hope on Wheels, and Hope on Wheels is celebrating, I think it's the 10th year now, but it's a national um, nonprofit organization that Hyundai spun off that brought all of its 820 dealers together to raise money for pediatric cancer research and survivorship, which is amazing. The mission of Hope on Wheels is to raise awareness for childhood cancer, donate life-saving research funds, and celebrate the lives of children affected. He stopped by to studio live, and here is our segment. So we're here welcoming Dave Zikowski, uh, CEO of Hyundai Motor America, to the uh, Stupid Cancer Show this evening. Very exciting to have someone of his caliber and influence who's done so much social good for this world. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, Matthew. I really appreciate it. It's an exciting
3: week in New York for several reasons.
2: Yeah, tell us about that. Why in
3: town? Well, we're here in in town for the New York Auto Show, always a big, big show, and we're launching a a very important vehicle, our, our own new Sonata. And on top of that, we're also kicking off our 2014 Hope on Wheels campaign.
2: So what is the Hope on Wheels campaign? I understand it's done a lot of social good. It's a national thing. It's a phenomenon. It's done miracles for science. Talk it, about that. It's, our,
3: it's our fight against pediatric cancer, and we've been at it for uh, 16 years. This is our sweet 16th birthday this year. It was started by a small group of dealers in, in New England uh, who decided that it would be great to assess themselves a, a charge on the invoice of their car and generate funds and then donate those funds uh, to cancer research. And we love the idea so much. It grew from a a few dealers in the Northeast to a national campaign. We've got 825 Hyundai dealers around the country that contribute to a fund that we use exclusively for cancer research, pediatric cancer research.
2: So So who have been the beneficiaries of this research?
3: Well, the kids. The the problem, there are um, uh, a child is um, diagnosed with cancer um, about Uh, About 15,000 kids a year are diagnosed with cancer, and that's a big number for us. The problem is the the government funding for cancer research, only about 4% of it is allocated to pediatrics. So we saw there was a really big hole there in terms of what, and any of the adult cancer research doesn't really apply to children. It's completely different. So there was a tremendous hole there that we thought we'd love to fill. And what's happened over the years, our sales volume, and our market share has grown exponentially, and our assessments, we continue to take our assessments up. And now we're generating, this year alone, we're going to generate $13 million for pediatric cancer research. And over the 16 years we've been doing this, we're now up to $86 million.
2: So how do you determine the recipients of the grant funding, and what are your expectations of that?
3: Yeah, the, uh, it, we have two different grants, and we'll do 49 grants this year. There is a, is a young explorer type of clinical grant that's $75,000 for one year. And that's for, to, to explore really unique, creative new ideas for, for younger doctors. The other one is a HOPE Scholar grant, which is a $250,000 two-year grant. And we run all of those proposals through a, a national board of, of oncologists some of the best doctors and researchers in the world. And we don't know a good proposal from a bad proposal. They vet each one of them. They spend their own personal time to do that, and they select the ones that are really, really good investments, and we do that every year. And this year there will be 36 of those $250,000 investments, and we'll do another 13 of the um, 75,000 investments. So it's a wonderful process. It's very exhaustive. On the um, two-year grants, we have a one-year checkpoint to make sure the the, the, the progress is going as expected. And it's just worked out terrifically well for us, and and it's it's making a difference. We have a a very, very strong social presence. Uh, We're we're on Facebook. It's very important for us to increase uh, the understanding of childhood cancer. People don't talk about it. People talk about childhood obesity. People talk about bullying, but they don't really talk about pediatric cancer. And we want to elevate that discussion. Uh, We want more people to be aware of it. We want to... um, And we dedicate exclusively to research. There's a lot of things we could do, but we think uh, we want to find a way to cure cancer. We want someday that a parent or a child never has to hear, you have cancer. And and we think the only way to do that is in long-term research. There hasn't been a lot of great innovations uh, in in, in a long time, and we think there has been a dearth of investment in the research, and that's why we've got went down this road, and it's paying dividends. We recognize it's not going to pay dividends overnight, but it's making a difference. We have a, um, a lot of followers, um, we have a, a lot of, it's one of our key marketing components of Hyundai is, and we're not trying to sell cars from them, but we're trying to do the right thing. We never mix the two. This is not commerce. This is all about uh, doing the Lord's work. And um, we are making a big difference. We are raising awareness. We're trying to improve the care levels that are out there. We're trying to be more spe- specific in the treatments and less toxic in the treatments uh, and that's all going into this research, and we think we're making great progress.
2: You know, we, we took your lead on a couple of things, and I'll admit that here on the air. We produce a, uh, a live national two-week road trip every year to our Global Patient Conference. It's actually in progress right now. They're going to San Francisco tonight. But I took cues from your tour. I'd love you to talk about the car. Yeah, the car is, is really symbolic for us. So
3: we have a car that travels around the country, and for each one of these 49 grants that will be awarded, we actually get the local dealers and the local regional people to go to the hospital. They'll go through um, the wards. They'll see the children. We have what we call a handprint ceremony where the kids will come down. We'll present the big oversized check, and then the kids will come up and they'll put their hands in paint and put a handprint on. In this case, it's a white Santa Fe. And they put their hands on it, and we have their name under the hands, and then we also have, have that memorialized for them, so they take that away from them uh, with them, uh, their own handprint. And it's fun for the kids. They love it. It's very symbolic. It's a sign of, of hope. There's three colors, and the colors symbolize the folks that are still fighting, the folks that have beaten it, and the folks that didn't beat it. And it's just a beautiful symbolic. gesture
2: um, extraordinary. Really extraordinary. Very powerful. So is the, what's the trajectory now? Is the car currently on tour, your, your grand cycles? Where are you in the process, and how can people get involved?
3: We just started. We just announced the winners. Um, you can go to Hyundai.com, and you can get to Hope on Wheels from there, and you can contribute. The more vehicles we sell, the more money we generate. We generate money from donations. We have, we have 5K walks where we generate money, but most of our money is generated from um, invoice, invoice charges to our dealers. And then we match those at Hyundai, and that generates over 90% of the dollars. And we do some fundraising events. We sell handprints. You can go into a dealership and buy handprints. It's just, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. We actually are starting right now. We just announced the winners. We use the New York Auto Show as a kickoff. Then we have Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month in September, where we have a big caucus in Washington, D.C. Uh, one of our Hyundai dealers from Pennsylvania is also a congressman, Mike Kelly, and he's been instrumental in elevating awareness in D.C. about this. We were very, very encouraged two weeks ago where President Obama signed a new act uh, dedicating $126 million in research to pediatric cancer. So we think these things are adding up. They're making a difference. They're raising the water level. But between, I would say, next month, call it May and September, we'll be on constant tour doing doing check presentations and uh, handprint awards. And it's... It's very time consuming. It's a lot of work, and there's not one person at the region or one of our dealers that ever complains about it. They just love the process. They love dedicating their time because they know it's the right thing to do, and it makes a difference.
2: Agree. All right. Final question. Then I love the fact that you are, in recognition of the survivorship component of this, and Dr. Sender, our board chairman, works directly with you, and I think it's just an extraordinary synergy to have him on both sides of the conversation where. We like to argue, myself as an 18-year pediatric brain cancer survivor, that your quality of life is tantamount to your quantity of life, and that we're about cure. But today, we're not exactly where we'd like to be in terms of the the I guess we could say magic pill in that sense. But so many more children are surviving thanks to this amazing research that's been transforming medicine over the last 20 or 30 years, that they are now living. Even more proactive, productive lives, and they go on to become like citizens that are functional in society. And it's extraordinary. How have you seen uh, that that process? You've been witness to these these children that then become teenagers that then grow up. Do you are there? Is there an alumni association? <laughs> it's a great question. We've had we have
3: national youth ambassadors. We've had about four of them. We're just announcing two great kids this year, nine and ten years old, respectively, with really wonderful stories to tell, and we travel with those national youth ambassadors um, and they tell their story and they get cheers wherever they go and they get people interested in the wear. But anyway, we've watched our first uh, national youth ambassador. we watched them grow up. Um, so we saw them as precocious eight and nine year olds. And now they're teenagers and they're starting to mature and develop and all those things. And so, um, we are starting to recognize that you will do anything as a parent to save your child. You will not ask any questions. And, and all of our focus has been there. And Dr. Sender, who has been instrumental in the growth of Hope on Wheels, has given us a different perspective. He says you, you really need to think about survivorship, too. Some of the toxic, toxicity involved in the uh, treatments have implications for the rest of their life. And these are young kids that are going to live another 70 years, and we need to be more sensitized to of those treatments and the impact on survivorship. And so that's an area we're just starting to develop now, and, and we, we see it in the kids that serve as our National Ambassadors, and when you live it and when it's real, it gets your attention pretty quickly.
2: Dave Zakowski, CEO of Hyundai Motor America, thank you so much for joining us here on the Stupid Cancer Show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, Matthew. <laughs> He's a good guy a really good guy.
0: Yeah, he is. It's great having him here.
2: Yeah, we look uh, forward to working with Hyundai. And, and Lenny has a running joke that all the children who survive pediatric cancer and grow up to become young adults join stupid cancer are the Gerber graduates. Mm-hmm. So we hope to be the collector of many, many Gerber graduates, which means they're alive and they're functioning and they're here and they belong. Yeah, so that's Absolutely. Stuff. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get to our survivor spotlight here live in studio. It's always great to have people here live in studio. Yeah, it is. Melissa Weiss, two-year steering committee member. That's your disease. <laughs> 2 years steering. A survivor. A survivor of the OMG steering committee. A lot
0: of late effects. Yeah. Late effects.
2: Five-year cancer survivor, Melissa Weiss. Weiss, mommy, stupid cancer. OMG, 2014. She's an extraordinary person. Been around forever and ever and ever. And I am. Prophetically apologetic for having never had her on the show up until this point. Please welcome Melissa Weiss.
0: Hello.
2: I have real guilt. You know that. Okay. It's the part Jewishness proximity factor, <laughs> but it's also that I cannot believe that we've never had you on the show for like four years.
0: It's all right. I'm here now.
2: Yes, that's that's guilt. I'm here <laughs> now. Hey. She's it's, Italian, married Jewish. I mean.
0: Exactly.
2: exactly.
0: Well i yes. um,
2: Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming in studio. Um, you have been such an extraordinary influence in shaping our organization from third-party volunteer leadership expertise. teeth. There's, there's no way to thank you for everything you've done to contribute to our success. But why don't we try? <laughs> now, I would love you to just let's go back six years, your life, where you were at, things where you just – Just getting your bearings, taking 10 steps at a time going forward, and then what happens?
0: Uh, So I was 30, um, and I had um, a baby in September. And then six weeks later, I wound up in the emergency room with some chest pain, and two weeks later, surprise, you've got cancer. So an infant, chemo, radiation, it was a lot. And um, I really felt very alone.
2: And... What were the symptoms then that you had? That like, what would necessitate? Because typically you're we're invisible, right? Nothing's wrong with us. You think you had a headache? Did you think that I'll just go save it off? I could wait a while.
0: I it felt like I broke a rib, and so I'm thinking to myself, I'm burping this baby really hard. What am I doing? And I remember calling my mom that morning. It was actually my husband's birthday. And I said, Mom, I have chest pain. Do you think I should go to the emergency room? Should I go to the doctor? What do you think? And so I wound up going to the emergency room, and 30 in chest pain gets you in really quick. Wow, okay. (laughs) They thought I had a pulmonary embolism. That is Uh, common. Yeah, Yeah. well, just from what I was telling them. And then tests, Or you know, while I was there, I was actually relaxing because it was mommy time. No, baby, I didn't have to get up. (laughs) And, um, yeah, they... Came in, the doctor came in, the nurse came in, and they said, um, you have a large mass in your chest. We have to go call the surgeon. Said, what? What do you mean? And then it was just tests, tests, and tests, and tests, two weeks of
2: tests. It took two weeks to get a diagnosis?
0: Uh, yeah, because I was hospitalized, actually, the next day. I went back to the emergency room. I had a, a fever. And while I was there, they did my biopsy um, and, yeah, between a lot of tests. Um, PET scan and multiple, you know, I
2: had to go to the pulmon- pulmonologist. And- Did your symptoms exacerbate in that time, being delayed or?
0: Not really, but it's like you're not sick until you're sick. Yeah. So w- then I started coughing a lot and my uh, pleural sac started to fill up with fluid, so I had about a quart of fluid that was... Uh squishing my lung, and then I had the Yay, tumor. Yeah, stupid
2: pleurisy. Yeah, well,
0: you know, the tumor was squishing it from the top, the fluid was squishing it from the bottom, and everyone kept asking me, well, didn't you have a hard time breathing? I said, well, of course I did. I was nine months pregnant. <laughs> I was out of breath all the time. So it really the pregnancy hid the fact that I had this.
2: Wow. So let's talk about that. Pregnant with cancer?
0: I had no idea until after I had him, yeah. so I must have.
2: That's an amazing, that is. like, creep. It's like when you find out, like, you had, like, um, like, a, like a tapeworm or something. Like, if something was inside of me that I didn't want there. Mm-hmm. You wanted the baby there. Yeah. yeah. But, wow. That, so, there was, Everett is your son. Yes, Everett. He's beautiful. He's healthy. He's yeah. gorgeous. He's amazing. So, let's talk about this. Brand new mom. hmm Diagnosed with Hodgkin's. Mm-hmm. No what? Non-Hodgkin. Non-Hodgkin. Yeah, I, I get shit for that a lot.
0: I, I right. there's
2: a huge, it's like It's like the right twix and the left twix. You know, you on. they
0: actually are different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, not one's crunchy, not <laughs> one's <laughs> firmly. It was a lot. So, you know, a brand-new baby, first-time parents. We have no idea what we're doing, and then we get thrown this curveball. Right. It was – I remember saying to my husband, Adam, I – after we were, I think one treatment and one chemo in, and I looked at him and I laughed and I said, "Remember when we thought it was hard to have a baby?" Oh
2: God, yeah.
0: Touch
2: <laughs> everything in perspective yeah, in the it, strangest way. It
0: was just, it was a lot, and the, I, my biggest problem was taking care of my son. I was tired. I'm going through treatment. My husband's trying to work. He works from for home, you know, from home for himself. Right. And, um, I was lucky I had an aunt that didn't work, and she would come and stay with us and help. But it it was. It's scary, and then you have this brand-new life, you're a parent. But
2: you're here in New York, on Long Island, right? And what hospital were you at?
0: Um, I was, um, at the time I was living on the South Shore, so I was based out of uh, South Nassau Community Hospital.
2: Were you happy there?
0: Um, I wasn't really in the hospital much. I was more in the doctor's office. My chemos were in the doctor's office. I didn't love my doctor, but he was very smart, and he saved my life.
2: Was there any, we, we discussed this all the time, was there any conversation about, hey, you're not 80,
0: no, really? no. I was the youngest in the waiting room and in the infusion room, for sure. So
2: nothing about parenting with cancer, new mom with cancer. No, <laughs> no. no. And there was a very
0: brief, brief brief discussion on fertility. Very brief.
2: Which apparently was no longer an issue because you had the baby. <laughs> I yeah. guess continuing children, perhaps, down the road. Right, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So it was wow. freeze eggs. That was it.
2: Wow! Okay. Did you? Were
0: you able to? Um, we opted not to because it was expensive, mm-hmm. and my body had just been through the mill. I just had a baby, and so I said, you know what? If this is what, what's supposed to happen, this is what's supposed to happen. Right. And then so many years later, it turns out it, everything did get damaged, so wow. there are no more children.
2: Right. but I, that, And that kind of is why we have this show, why we exist in the first place, why every 305 shows have had a young adult have their story that we're, we're not special, we're different. You just had a baby, and then you get cancer.
0: Yeah, and I've met a few people through stupid cancer that had a similar situation. Yeah. So that felt great, the first OMG. Fortunately and
2: people. sadly, it's not unique. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: so it was nice to connect with people.
2: So what got you living again? I mean, obviously, congratulations, you're, you're, the medicine worked. You're doing well five years now, not quarter? Yes, okay. yes, yes.
0: Um, you know, I had a a husband and a son to live for and my family and you know people said oh you know you're so inspiring you're amazing blah, 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 but i just felt like i just did it i mean you just do it you mm-hmm. just put one foot in front of the other and you just got to do it
2: so what did any any tips and tricks anything specific you learned on the job on how to navigate a new baby fighting cancer
0: No, not really, because I didn't sleep or rest as much as I needed to. And I think, like I said, the biggest hurdle was having someone to help take care of the baby so I could have taken care of me. And that really was a big challenge. So that's really find someone to help you.
2: And your husband, Mm Adam, how did he handle it?
0: Um, It was hard for him. It was really hard. I think he was throwing a you know big curveball like, oh my god, my wife, you know, and there's this brand new baby that I have no idea what to do with. So it was difficult. It was very emotional at home.
2: Plus, it's the caregiver role. We want to talk about that also. Mm -hmm. It's really important that that young adults are not just survivors; they're caregivers too. Mm -hmm. Whether it's to their young adult spouse, sibling, best friend, mom or dad, or Mm -hmm. child. But this is the plight, and um, you know. It's the point where you're supposed to be going forward. You went backwards, right? So, how did you come about discovering other young adults that were cancer survivors?
0: Um, Well, actually, my sister is also a cancer survivor. She had um, oh, family history. Yeah, she had Hodgkins at age 20. My dad had it at age 31 as well. Both still here. Wow. Okay. Yes, but uh, while I was sick, I found um, uh, LLS, and they directed me to the first OMG.
2: Which, what year? Uh, oh.
0: 2009. Okay. My first OMT. Your first
2: OMT, yes, yes. yes. The
0: second one. <laughs>
2: oh, nine, yes. Yeah. Wow, the Bare second one. The ladies. Bare, oh, you're going retro on me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. It's really amazing. Um, well, thankfully then you found LLS and, uh, they're a great national partner of ours. But in, w- what was it like to know, to find out that there were other, because I would, I, am I correct in suspecting that until, LLS made you aware of us. You had no idea that there were any young mothers with kids. with no,
0: none, speak. none, none at all. So, yeah, no, uh, actually, Karen DeMiro, specifically, I spoke to her on the phone. I remember telling you all about it. There's other people. And I was like, really? Right. You, not my sister? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was mind-blowing because I was like, oh, wow, there are other people that have had a baby and have gone through this. some people it was their second child or, you know, but it, it just really felt isolating. Cause right. Who has a baby then gets cancer.
2: Right. So as far as your father and you and now your sister, mm-hmm. is there any genetic testing? Is there, is there even science around that for blood cancers?
0: I don't think so. Um, my dad's a Vietnam vet, so the Agent Orange caused his. And then me okay. and my sister are sort of, I guess, random. And then my mother also is a breast cancer survivor.
2: Wait. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Just dropped that bomb there. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're all in.
0: Yeah, we're all in. Yay, Long Island.
2: <laughs> and before I bring out the rest of the characters that are on the show tonight, um, what's been your experience uh, being involved with the summit specifically? I mean, you first said that as an attendee for three years, mm-hmm. and then you joined the steering committee.
0: Um, as an attendee, it was just great to – Share my story and hear other people's story. It's very healing, being able to do that and just connecting with other people. Um, And then getting involved from a volunteering standpoint. You know, it it, again, it's just very healing. I love meeting new people every time. I make new friends. I meet new people. I learn things from the summit itself. Uh, It's just, I feel like it's good for my soul. Wow. Yeah. It's good. It's important to me.
2: Well, thank you so much. We're going to bring out our other cast of characters here. Coming on, let's bring up some uh, epic music here for them. Joining us now is uh, Dr. Sage Bothy from uh, Life with Cancer. She's a oncology counselor, spectologist, Ph.D., LZSW, Lots and lots of letters after her name. The aforementioned Karen DeMero from the Leukeminal Homicide National Home Office. She is from the uh, Long Island, uh, I'm going to botch this because I, I should know it. It's going to kill me. But uh, Karen DeMero, one wow, of the founding, I know, founder, co-founder of the OMG Cancer Summit, Karen DeMero, and uh, Allie Ward, our VP program, the five-year ovarian cancer survivor. Thank you guys. This is going to be a great show. We'll spend the next 30 minutes talking all about whatever we're going to talk about. OMG Hi. maybe?
4: Hello. That's, hey, hey.
2: Yeah, this, some event happening. Let's
4: talk about the weather,
0: you know. It's getting really <laughs> nice out, guys.
2: Well, and I want to start with Karen. Karen. Out. Of all the people on the planet, Karen is so unique in the sense that she was there six months before the idea was born <laughs> to have a conference like right. this. And I remember she came. She found me. I don't think I even knew you. But you found yeah, you me didn't. and we met. For... What?
1: I said you didn't know me and I didn't know you.
2: Right, but we somehow found each other. And you sat me down somewhere in the city and we said we, we have money we want to do a conference we'd like you to help and I think that's just how it started right
1: it it is it is actually it was at a conference in the fall um for young adults it was a young adult with um, the Ullman Foundation a whole bunch of different groups and we had already decided we needed to start doing some work and programming with young adults, LLS that is, and um, I started asking around. I said, so who am I supposed to talk to? I said, this is new for us. You know, we need to have some expertise in this. And multiple people gave me your name, Matt, and we sat down, I think, during one of the breaks, you, Meg Harrison, and I, and um, started planning, and as they say, the rest is history.
2: All right, the origin story is now official. <laughs> I know, I'm sure it happened that way. Whatever you say, Kevin. But, a memory but like it an real, kid. <laughs> I kid. Mean, but for me, it was such an honor to be able to basically work from a giant block of clay with you guys and, and completely reimagine what it could happen with, with having no idea of any expectations because it really hadn't ever happened the way that we originally thought it would. And all of a sudden, 230-some-odd people showed up like wow this is actually something and right. uh, I remember just looking out at the crowd when I, our keynote was Dr. Archie Blyer that year I believe yes. and, um, and it was like there's 220 something young adults in the room for the first time ever and it was very moving and, and it's just been a real honor to have continued to work with you to see this to where it is today and, and I'd love you to share more about your role at the conference this year
1: well, my role at the conference this year is a little different than it has been in the past. Um, one, I'm, as you very well know, I'm now on the board of Stupid Cancer, which um, I am very honored that you guys will have me on your board of directors. Is that Sorry, like a ba- background applause or something?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Foreground applause, really. <laughs>
1: And um, and then besides doing that, I'm going to be um, assisting with doing a presentation um, on Thursday for blood cancer patients. LLS has got a hour-and-a-half slot. We have a um, physician who will be presenting, and then um, one of the other um, people from LLS and myself will do some information on LLS and, you know, our services and what we can do to help and things like that. And then on Saturday, I will be moderating a caregiver session uh, for parents of young adults who've been diagnosed with um, two really great volunteers, one of whom is Matt's dad. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, the rest of the time, you know, helping out at uh, the LLS table and then wherever Allie finds a place for me, because I know she's got lots of volunteering for me to do, but I think it's going to be really cool because, you know, as different than it is from all the times here in New York City and then when we do our OMG East, I can kind of just do whatever you tell me to do. I don't have to be responsible for anything, so I'm really looking forward to it and getting to meet a lot of the participants out there. And just chatting with people and
0: seeing, kind
1: of
2: you know, what's going on? <laughs> Do whatever you want to <laughs> No, hey, I think I I'm, did I'm, put it I'm, in writing
1: already. Excellent,
0: excellent. Yeah, and I am
2: somewhat <laughs> jealous that you're on that side of the table this time and not planning it with all of us because you're missing all the crazy fun that we've had planning it.
1: That's right, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I think this is going to be great.
2: I do. So let, let's hop over to Sage because, Sage, you've been speaking at this conference for, I forget, the first year you were there but it
4: you've been all a kind but of a the
2: scape- first of, well, what's that
4: i think all but the first
2: yeah you were in 09 yeah, right he
4: started with bare
5: naked ladies yeah. right yeah exactly mm-hmm.
2: so why don't we get trace the cord back to the wall tell us how you got into this line of business um how you managed to amass like the entire alphabet of credentials after your name And what what it's been like for you – kudos on that, by the way – what it's been like for you to be so invested and involved in the arc of this this narrative, the Young Adult Cancer Cause?
4: So um, how I got involved in uh, the cancer world is um, kind of really – I would say all of this is not by accident, that the universe kind of opened these doors and guided me directly where I needed to be, when I needed to be there. And um, I've had amazing mentors. I started out out of grad school and felt like I needed to work in a place where people were authentic and real and open, and I found that in the world of cancer. Um, And the young adult world was just a really strong fit, maybe because I was a young adult um, when I started and still technically am. Um, But also I think um, what attracted me to the young adult world was, one, there wasn't a lot of noise, and as you know, Matthew, I like making a lot of noise. Um, and um, there wasn't a lot. Of, there wasn't a lot of awareness around the two topics that I love to talk about the most, which is um, living with advanced disease and how to navigate living in the midst of knowing that a disease may take your life, and then and sexuality. And um, the young adult world embraced both of those as the topics that they wanted to really dive into and talk about. Um, so it was an easy door walk-in for me i guess um and why i've done all the training i've done is one because i want to make sure that i'm i'm in the know um and involved in um what's happening out there so that i can make sure i do the best i can to serve the people i serve and quite honestly um you know when doctors have to call me doctor it levels the playing field a little
2: well to your point Yes, and I, I, would, I will never call you a doctor, I promise. I don't want to incur Thank the wrath But by the way, like, the fact that you're pretty smart and your name is Sage, come on, please, your parents did the right thing. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. But I wanted to point out that, that clearly sex is a major issue for young adults that is very under-discussed, if not discussed at all, and as and testament to that in, in an anecdotal way. We posted a link from my Huffington Post blog um, on our wall, on the 17th, it's called "How Cancer Screws Young Adult Sex Lives," and it's a very yeah, I raw, love that very article. Like, yeah, Lawrence Fizzolo, um wrote it. It got 175. Am I reading this right? Like 175 thousand views. Um, yeah. It got a thousand likes, 175 shares. It was one of the most popular articles of the entire year for us that we posted. So there's no short supply. Of people that are really angry yeah. and we need to make them understand it's okay to talk about it.
4: Yeah. yeah. I think beyond just talking about it, knowing what they can do about it, right? That there isn't, that just because sex does screw up your sex life, um, and, and not for everybody, but for a good portion of people, and whether that's temporary or long-term, kind of goes with how much are you learning? How much are you being proactive? You know, my, my kind of soapbox is that if you're not being proactive about your sexual health, you're going to have a lot of things to, to kind of undo and redo. But everything is attainable. It just takes some creativity and it takes thinking outside the box. But most of all, that really it comes down to grieving. I mean, you've got to get angry and grieve what was because you can't get back what it was, but you can create something new and awesome and exciting and you can rebuild yourself and your sexual self in a really positive, healthy, exciting Orgasmic way.
2: Well said. As only Sage can say. <laughs> so let's flip over to Allie. I mean, Allie, you are clearly a rock star. You, you, you've taken this conference to an entirely new level, and I would love you to embarrass me with the origin story. Uh, you love to tell so fondly when I, people ask you how did you get involved.
5: Well, let me – wow, that's – I don't even know how I got involved anymore. Um, I met Matt seven years <laughs> <Black> ago. <laughs>
2: It's, it's conscious denial. have
0: gone through a yeah. lot of therapy about, about that.
5: I, I really have, I think. Um, <laughs> I met Matt seven years ago. He has no recollection of meeting me. There is a picture that proves that we were in the same room together. It was a year after I was diagnosed, um, and it was really one of the first times that I knew that there were other young adults that were out there um, that needed support. And um, I don't know, years later, We kind of reconnected. I, in 2009, was told that I wasn't going to live, um, which they were gravely wrong, thank goodness. And um, I pretty much was sitting around waiting to die for a very long time and forgot what it was like to do important stuff. Uh, And one day uh, you gave me a call and said, hey, do you want to be a part of the OMG Cancer Summit Steering Committee? And luckily, the week before, I'd had a life-changing experience with First Descent, and naively, I said yes, because I had absolutely no idea what I, I was getting more... into. It was, it was in a weak moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I said yes, I'll be a part of it, and I began to be a volunteer, which I quickly started calling pro bono, because I think that if you work over 40 hours a week, volunteer, it's no longer just a volunteer job, um, <laughs> yeah. and luckily after OMG 2012 was such a success, you uh, came to your senses and hired me, um, and that's kind of where she wrote.
2: And it's been, so, so what has been your experience, because you, 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 did you go to OMG 2011 in New York? I
5: did as an attendee, in the last one in New York.
2: Right, so was that, that was your first young adult cancer conference?
5: Um, It wasn't my first conference, but it was the first one of that size.
2: Got it. I had been to
5: Can't Make a Dream retreats, and I had been to uh, the Young Adult Alliance. I'd been to other things that brought people together, but this one was really the first big one.
2: All right. So then tell tell our listeners about what it's like to be an attendee and then to go from being an attendee to actually helping shape the conference itself.
5: Well, to be an attendee for me, it, in some ways, was really overwhelming. Um, it was kind of it was welcoming to to meet all those that many people, those other young adults that were being affected. And the other time, other side of it, it was really scary because I didn't want there to be that many people that needed to be in a room um, talking about cancer. Uh, I remember going to the single session uh, that Sage and Tamika were doing, uh, and Johnny and Tracy Maxwell, and sitting in that room. And I could, every, every time they talked about a particular topic, I was like, oh, yeah, I can relate. Yes, I know what it's like to be single and dating, or theory, single, have cancer, and trying to date. Um, and then the other sessions that we talked about that we had and, and the keynote and everything really struck home, um, and I left OMG knowing and meeting a lot of new people, um, and really felt more connected in my own survivorship.
2: Melissa, did you did you feel intimidated? I mean, was the summit that you went to that Karen referred to that was your first ever experience with young adults? Yes, but there were three hundred and seventy-five of them.
0: I think the intimidating thing for me was I was still bald and I didn't know what I was going to be walking into, but I immediately felt comfortable because there were other people that were
2: bald. Right. I mean, that has to be... I, I have no, literally no actual basis of reference for this because I went to brain tumor conferences where I was the youngest person, but everyone was bald. Because no matter what you <laughs> room most of them are old and bald to begin with. But the, the idea of walking into a room not knowing what to expect and then getting exactly what you wished for that you didn't know you needed Sounds like what happens to most of our attendees. Karen, how would you, uh, want, what has been the response that you've gotten from the people from LLS that have come to the conference?
1: Oh, they all love it. I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things where um, it's very different than a lot of the other conferences that we have and programs. I mean, you know, as we you mentioned before, in terms of the population of people that usually get cancer, and most of them are older. And it's a different kind of feel, and you know, the atmosphere is a little different at most of the conferences. But when you go to OMG, there's, um, you know, there's an energy level that you just can't mistake. And I think that it's um, not only are people just hungry for information and what else can we learn and you know, from all aspects, and then they're very supportive of each other. And I find that um, during the conference and then going forward, people just, there's just these lifelong friendships that are developed from them. I mean, you know, look at you know, everybody that's on the call right now. You know, other than Matt and I that were there for the first one, everybody else came along the way and you're still staying active, whether it's, you know, as a participant, as a speaker, as an employee now. I mean, there's just something about it that really gets people going. And, I mean, now you even have, you know, a lot more parents and other significant others coming. So it's definitely just one of those programs that just kind of goes over the top. And I think that every time, you know, any of our patients that we refer to go or any of our staff that go just kind of say, wow, for lack of any other word, just wow.
2: Maureen?
0: Yeah, so we wanted to talk to you, uh, Sage and Karen, primarily, because you will be speaking at the conference and representing some really great organizations. Um, I guess, Sage, you're doing, you, you've talked a lot at OMG about sexuality. You'll we'll be doing that during the Jesper for Gals section. You'll we'll also be talking probably some about that during our LGBT with Cancer session, um, so that's those are going to be hour-long sessions. We have about 10 minutes now. Um, so could you give like a little preview of the kinds of things that you tend to talk about with young adults and a lot of the some of the issues that are faced by young adults facing cancer and working so, with
1: their sexuality?
4: Sure. Um, so, the piece around um, sexuality you know helping people understand that there are ways to redefine your sexual self. It may look different than before um and talking really frankly and openly about. What are the things you can do to reclaim your sexual health? Um, like what do you need to ask your gynecologist? What do you need to ask your primary care physician? What do you need to go back and ask or teach your medical oncologist? Um, and that includes dating and relationships, how you feel about your body, how you embrace your body, how do you, um, you know, start exploring your body in a way that maybe you didn't explore before to figure out what's good, what's not. Um, and that would be, yes, very similar in the LGBT Um, talk I think with that specifically there was a mention last year a few people came up and said you know we'd love to have something specifically for us and um, Allie and I really embraced that idea and we're excited there's a good Turnout out for the LGBT talk, and we're going to just talk a little bit more openly about some of the hardships that they uniquely face around um, identifying as um, gay, lesbian, bisexual, or, or transgendered, and how, how this cancer experience makes that even more challenging for them as they either come out or as they are um, trying to identify within their community with already a minority community and now having cancer on top of it, um, and just helping them connect too and, and have an open dialogue.
0: Very cool. And you, I, I've seen you popping up all over. I know last fall we did a, there was a talk back that you did with uh, Sue Lake-Ajawad and Ethan Zahn, I think a couple other people about cancer and sexuality. And you also were present during the tweet chat that we did with, uh, with Iris Mansour, who wrote that great article recently about young adult cancer for Mashable. Um, and it's really great that this topic is getting more and more attention. How have you seen that change since you started in the field?
4: Wow, it's changed a lot. I mean, back in, like, the 80s, kind of when the HIV-AIDS movement was happening, there was more talk, actually, then about sex and cancer and sexuality and cancer, and there was research being done, um, and then it kind of quieted down like people stopped having sex or something i'm not quite sure but it quieted (laughs) down and then (laughs) um, fertility kind of got a lot of attention right fertility got a lot of attention which was fantastic because now more people are being asked about and talked about fertility we still have a long ways to go but man have we come a long ways and now um and now we're starting to look again not only i think some of it is you know the the Rad, I'll date myself by that, and also I came from Southern California, but I love that word, rad. The rad thing about the fact that we're talking about sex also means people are living longer, and this is a quality of life issue that's coming up more frequently because now people who used to die five, ten years ago are now alive, saying, wait a minute, um, that's an important part of my life that I still would like to have intact. How do I go about navigating this and figuring this out again? So um, we've come a long way in medicine, and again, I think it is... The fact that there are a lot of people talking about it, one, there are more young adults who are getting vocal and advocating, which is amazing because they're blowing the top off this um, really important quality of life issue and bringing it up like in Mashable or or in the Huffington Post or wherever they're going to bring it up, I think that is, again, really in relationship to the fact that more and more people are starting to recognize that even if I have a cancer that isn't curable, I'm living a long time, and this is an important part of my life regardless of what's going on with the cancer.
2: Karen, thank you, stage. Karen, one of the things I found most inspiring by LLS is their adoption of young adult cancer as a programmatic initiative that's become disease agnostic. And I don't know what magic beans we planted if it was us at all, but I am so proud to be able to say that any young adult with any cancer can go to any LLS and find support. Uh, What are your thoughts on how that happened and something we should really all be proud of?
1: You know, I think it's one of those things where um, we try as an organization to service the patients. And, you know, looking at where our populations are coming from is very important in order to do that. And I think that um, the organization as a whole is realizing that more and more young adults are being diagnosed. Um, you know, we know that a good portion of those young adults have blood cancers. You know, the lymphomas, as you know, Melissa is a prime example. That is, you know, the type of disease that hits people in that age group. Um, whether it's Hodgkins or non-Hodgkins, Hodgkins we know definitely does, but also non-Hodgkins, as well as you know, some of the older. teens, the younger young adults that develop the leukemias and stuff. But, you know, there was just a need to say, okay, here's this population. We need to start focusing on them and figuring out what are their needs. Because if we're going to be the type of organization that will take care of all the blood cancer patients and help them get, you know, access to care and everything else, then we can't just pigeonhole ourselves with older adults, which is the bulk of the um, patients that develop cancer in general and definitely blood cancer. So I think it was more of an acknowledgement that there is a large population out there and, you know, if we're going to be the type of organization that we say we are, then we have to look at all of the groups and service their needs. And I think it's really great that we've been able to do that and to work with organizations like Stupid Cancer because Again, you know, people will come to you very quickly because they're young adults. And they come to us because they have a blood cancer. So by the two of us working together, we make sure that, you know, we do everything we can to meet their needs.
4: And I have to say, LLS is one of the few organizations out there that has, like, an online support chat just for young adults every Mm -hmm. Tuesdays 830 Eastern Time. It's an awesome opportunity to connect with other people with blood cancers.
1: Right. And you Sorry, know we had to put that, that plug in. That's okay, I'm glad <laughs> you did because that's one of the things that we have been trying to do is to realize that, you know, things like support groups, traditional support groups, don't work for young adults, whether it be, you know, an online chat or a telephone chat or in some of our chapters where they do have in-person groups, they do it a little differently. I mean, out on Long Island, we used to meet at Bertucci's. Um, I know down in Florida they have a couple of groups and they'll meet in different places. You know, trying to work with um, the patients, what, you know, what works best for them. Do different things such as, you know, even OMG. Again, it's such a different type of conference that um, you kind of have to go with the needs of your patients. And I'm hoping that, you know, as an organization, we're doing better and better with that by um, doing the different things that we do.
0: Yeah, I think, I think we all are. And I think both of you have done a lot in service of the young adult cancer population and continue to do so. We're really excited to have you with us. This weekend, uh, we're going to wrap things up shortly, but Allie, uh, you and I are going to be in Vegas tomorrow. Um, yes. well, I'll get there midnight.
5: Um, <laughs> I will be, so, well, I can't guarantee where I'll be at midnight. Please <laughs> be by the pool, Allie. You deserve to lay by the pool. Uh, tomorrow <laughs> afternoon, I am so by the pool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow night, Allie
0: will be hitting the dance floor. Everybody meet us there. Um, <laughs> But so as, as we're, you know, gearing up, we're getting super excited. Um, what are some of the things that we're looking forward to? What are some of the, the new things at OMG this year um, that we're excited about?
5: Well, I'm super excited about OMG, and it's, As the hours tick down and the minutes tick down to leaving, I reflect on how much work we've done in the past year and some of the new things that we're doing. Um, We have a welcome committee this year, and we have something to give out to all attendees. So we're hoping that each person that comes, whether they've been there before, never been to OMG, um, that they get personally welcomed by our committee um, and that they get any any questions that they have answered um, and that they, they are a part of the weekend. It just starts their weekend as soon as they walk in the door. Uh, we have a pool party on Thursday, which is really exciting. We've never had time to put that into the schedule before. So we have over 200, almost 300 people that have signed up to come to the pool party. Um, uh, Karen already mentioned we have some pre-patient uh, Pre-panels on Thursday, we have one on colorectal cancer, one on blood cancer, and one for brain cancer. So that's really exciting. Um, and new sessions this year, we are talking about survivor guilt. We're talking about um, managing anger. We have a genomic session, um, a couple new nutrition, nutrition and healthy living sessions. Uh, so some really cool stuff happening.
2: Certainly going to be we're, we're up in the ante every year we're up in the ante it's very exciting and and uh, I'm I couldn't be more proud of all the people who built this on top of everyone else's great work and it just continues to compound there's nothing but excellence here at all there's nothing but excellence so thank you all so much for everything uh, It's time to just you know cut the cord see what happens and we'll audit next week. All <laughs> on autopilot. We'll nap next week. we'll, next we'll
0: week. Audit the following week. Yeah, weeks. fine.
2: We'll nap next week. We'll audit the next week. Audit the nap next week, and then audit the conference. Every the nap needs
0: audited. It's very but important.
2: Uh, it's, it's time to cut it loose. Thank you guys so much for joining us, Melissa Weiss, um, Allie Ward, Karen DeMero, Sage Bolte, You guys, kick ass. I'll see you in Vegas. Thank you so much for calling in tonight. Thank,
1: Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thanks.
2: Was that everything you hoped for and more? Much more. Much more? <laughs> <laughs> She'll be
0: back every week.
2: How old is Everett now?
0: Uh, he's about five and a half.
2: Wow. Does yeah. he know anything about this? Is he old enough to talk to you yet?
0: Well, I I try to introduce it a little bit at a time. Um so when he asked for a brother or a sister, I said, Well, oh, mommy's belly's broken because I I got sick and I took this medicine that made all my hair fall out and it, it broke my belly, so you can't have any brothers or sisters and he gets upset. He right. said yes yeah, just last week he said, I hate cancer and I said, Why? He said because I can't have a brother or a sister and Wow. I said,
2: yeah. he's getting wow that's powerful
0: yeah
2: yeah i mean there are other and we look at the rackmans and things like that you know there are examples of ways to do that but you know the costs the logistics it's it's i I always we always like to say that it's a human right to be a parent and cancer shouldn't take that away from you but there's a cost of that human right at this point Yes. and sometimes this is not far for everyone but god bless him and god bless you guys Uh, you're amazing and this has been a really good show. I can't believe we're going to fake this week. Yep. Yeah. All right.
0: Everybody, bring your sunscreen.
2: Gird your loins.
0: Sunscreen. I need to bring my sunscreen. Yes. Bring your, uh, an, I guess you don't bring chips with you. Bring spare cash.
2: Bring your cash. Bring your ATM card.
0: <laughs> bring your ATM
2: card. Bring yeah. your, bring your, uh, the title and deed to your house and car.
0: <laughs> bring your valuables, <laughs> all of your non-liquidated assets.
2: Yes. It's the best please. kind of pawn shop. Exactly. I'm very excited, and we're going to turn it into so much more money. Put it all on record. Exactly. Red. All right, well, that's our show, folks, and uh, now it is time for our closing sequence.
3: Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the
2: uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked?
3: And so, to all of you,
0: a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping.
2: You are a
0: meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. <laughs> That
2: was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's our show, number 305. We hope you had as much fun as we did, talking to stick at Stupid Cancer. I'd like to thank our guest, Hyundai America CEO, Dave Zakowski. Karen DeMero from the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, Allie Ward, VP Programs, here at the Cancer, Sage Balsey from Life with Cancer, and Melissa Weiss from the OMG Steering Committee. All right, we're on a hiatus for next week. Coming back the week afterwards on May 5th, with a dedicated episode about MD Anderson Cancer Center, which is one of the premier cancer centers in the country and the world, serving 115 thousand cancer patients annually. We'll be joined by Ernest Hawk, Dr. Ernie Hawk, who is the VP of Cancer Prevention and Population Science, and Anna Franklin, the Assistant Professor of the Department of Pediatrics and the Medical Director of the AYA program. And from our Denver chapter, Kelly Herbert in the spotlight. Subscribe to our show anytime for free on iHeartRadio. talk iTunes, Podcast and Blog Talk Radio. Check us out on the web anytime at StupidCancer.org and StupidCancerShow.org. Remember, folks, that ain't stupid, that ain't cancer. Live from the Chemo Deck on behalf of Andy Goodman, Kenny Kane, Marine Sweet, myself, and our whole team here at the Stupid Cancer Show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here in two weeks, Monday, May 5th, live at 8. Take care. Johnny and Karima in his memory of Jeff Jesus is for Lauren and for Becky, for David